Hey everybody, welcome to Ubaldi Reports. Now, this week ended the Democratic Party's um, national convention to nominate uh, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton to be their nominee for president. Now, last week we had the Republican uh, convention, which formally nominated uh, Donald Trump to be the Republican candidate. So now it's between Clinton and Trump to see who's going to replace Barack Obama come January 2017. Now, much was made of the Republican um, the convention, especially on the first day when there's a little bit of hiccup with um, Ted Cruz's supporters wanting him to be president and some of the things that Ted Cruz did, and especially with um, his speech on Wednesday of last week, which he never really formally endorsed um, Donald Trump. Well, the Democratic convention was supposed to be the one of unity, and that's what the media and that's what the Democratic Party was touting. But then on Friday of last week, big bombshell dropped with WikiLeaks, which had hacked or WikiLeaks dropped. No one's quite sure as how they got this. There's speculation now that the Russians were behind the hacking of the Democratic National Committee headquarters. But and but no, besides that, WikiLeaks dropped and uh, published 20,000 emails from Democratic um, leadership officials at the Democratic National Committee showing they were complicit and doing everything they could to favor Hillary Clinton over Bernie Sanders. Now, since the race began, Bernie Sanders has been saying that the DNC has been favoring Hillary Clinton, and he was adamant that Debbie Wasserman Schultz, the president of the Democratic National Committee, should be res- should resign and replace with someone who's a little bit more fairer. Well, come to find out, they were very complicit, and he was right, and this forced the resignation of Debbie Was- Wasserman Schultz. Now, it's kind of ironic, as soon as, as soon as she resigned, she was already given a, a position in the Hillary Clinton campaign to do some outreach in the 50 states. But the bombshell was there. And then it showed some very disturbing emails. Some of it was very disparaging toward um, religion, how they wanted to say that Bernie Sanders was an atheist, not from the Jewish heritage, because that would play really well in some of the, um, the last battleground states, especially in the Bible Belt states. But also they made some disparaging remarks about the uh, people who are homosexual, and also um, a donor, and this just shows where big money plays in this one donor wanted to get a meeting or sit down at the dinner with uh, Barack Obama. And they, one official made a comment, hey, everybody gets sick. We can't accommodate everybody. People do get sick, got to live with it. And then they also, they keep hitting on Republicans of being anti-Hispanic. Well, it showed that that pervasive view is also in the Democratic National Committee when they, they made reference to the Hispanic community by calling it the Taco Bowl. So it's, it was a big, uh, big, big debacle. And then Monday, there was sh- they shouted down a lot of the, the speakers um, with, you know, for Bernie Sanders, very against Hillary Clinton. So that first day was very, um, very interesting. And then time it dissipated in a more prevailing theme how Hillary Clinton should be the president because we can't have Donald Trump speak or be the president of the United States. Now, the thing is, the whole convention centered on really why Donald Trump should not be president and why we need Hillary Clinton. But they never really gave an answer. Why should we vote for Hillary Clinton? Why should we have, after eight years of the Democrats running the, 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 con- the country and the economy, why should we vote for Clinton? 
Now, in deference to Republicans, they just don't have the big names uh, that the Democrats have. The Democrats have former President Bill Clinton, who's pretty really popular among Democratic establishment folks. You have Vice President Joseph Biden, and you have the current Democratic President Barack Obama. So you have more of the rock stars in the political world where the Republicans didn't. And at the Republican convention, some of the, well, the former two former presidents, one is uh, President George H.W. Bush wasn't in attendance. And I can see because of his health, he's in his 90s. But then the last Republican president, President George W. Bush, wasn't in attendance, nor was Jeb Bush. And some of the stalwart Republican leadership throughout the country was not at the convention. So, But anyway, getting back to a Bill Clinton, Joseph Biden, and Tim Kaine, and President Obama, they gave more of an upbeat message than was presented at the um, the Republican convention. The Republican convention was more how bad everything is in America and we're going to make America great again. The Democrats were more upbeat, but it was more in the vein of look what we did, how, um, how we need Hillary Clinton to continue what was going on so we can expand on of what's going on through America through our stewardship. But this is hardly a a ringing endorsement of what's going on. They still never gave an answer why we should vote for um, Hillary Clinton. When Bill Clinton spoke, and he's a very charismatic speaker, but I think he's lost his luster because he talked about how he met Hillary and how he fell in love with her. But people kind of remember, if you remember back to the 90s, he also had numerous affairs and had a lot of scandals regarding his infidelity. So it kind of puts it in two veins. Do you want to have this person in the White House and how he did things to his to his wife? If he loved her so much, why did he do those things to his wife? Now, Joseph Biden and Tim Kaine talked about how, especially Joseph Biden, how the economy is doing really well. And Barack Obama um, reiterated the same things. I'll get on to a quote that he talked about. But it was interesting. They gave more of a rosy speech about America, but real, call, excuse me, real clear politics has shown that over 65% of Americans believe we are on the wrong track. So it's hard to, to solidify those two arguments. We're doing really well. We could do better. But why then, if we're doing really well, why is 65% of Americans believe we're on the wrong track when you run the economy for eight years? You can't go back, oh, look what we inherited. We understand what you inherited, but the recession ended in June of 2009. So this is your economy. Now, Barack Obama in his speech on Wednesday stated that he didn't really talk about the economy except in this one little paragraph. He says, after the worst recession in 80 years, we fought our way back. We've seen deficits come down, 401ks recover, and an auto industry set new records. Unemployment reached eight-year lows, and our business created 15 million new jobs. Now, the unemployment rate is at a, it's at a lower than it was in um, since 2007. But the problem is it's at 4.9 now. But it's not because people found work. It's because people stopped looking for work, because the labor participation rate is the lowest level since 1978. So if we had the exact number of people working in 2008 as we do now, the unemployment rate would be much higher, almost 9.5 to 10%. So then he talked about the auto industry set new records when they they saved the auto industry, and that came out 
and the tail end of the Bush administrations, like after he had lost the election. And they did bail out the auto industry, but the auto industry has not paid those loans back. So it's kind of dubious to say that, in a, you know, business created 15 million new jobs, but most of those jobs being created are low-end jobs, mainly in the service sector and in the um, the retail industry. Even the labor report for June showed that 59,000 jobs, that's where most of the jobs were created in the lower end of the economy instead of high-wage jobs. Now, many regions of the country are doing fairly well, but not everywhere. And again, if the economy is doing as well as the president says it is, then why is there such angst on the right and definitely on the left by Bernie Sanders folks? So it's kind of in a dubious situation for the president to say that, and it's not fairly accurate. Now, when we get to um, Hillary Clinton's speech, and that's what I'll put most of the time in. She stated that Vice President Biden, the Democratic Party, when she referenced Joseph Biden's speech, commitment to working people. Now, the Democratic Party was really formed to help working people, but I believe they've lost their focus. Now, after eight years, how is that working? There's a big disconnect out there, and a lot of people are are really angered at the establishment, and Hillary Clinton really um, represents the establishment. Some of the proposals, she says, to help working people, she wants to raise taxes, increase regulations, expand Obamacare. These are some of the things that President Obama did in his, his um, eight years, and that hasn't worked. She wants to put green energy. Well, President Obama did that, and that really hasn't created the jobs that he said there was going to be created. Also wants to focus on infrastructure spending for our bridges, ra- uh, roads, and highways. Well, we spent a trillion dollars. Where did all that money go? And a lot of that money went to Democratic pet projects, and we still have crumbling infrastructure. Now, the big theme of her, her speech was we are stronger together. But she hasn't really identified what does that mean we are stronger together? How do you plan on growing the economy? And she talked about we're going to do a big expansion of the federal government. She wants She really tied herself to the president and she wants a much larger federal intrusion into the economy. She wants to expand the Dodd-Frank, the financial regulations on the banks. She wants to expand Obamacare. She wants to increase more regulations. But she never said, how would this impact? What would she do differently? It's just, I'm not Donald Trump. Now, she also says, yet we know there's a lot to do. Too many people haven't had a pay raise since the crash. There's too much income inequality, or excuse me, too much inequality, too little social mobility, too much perilous in Washington, too many threats to home and abroad. The threats from home and abroad we'll get to in a bit. But when she says there's too much inequality, well, income inequality is a big subject, and I admit there is income inequality in this country. But income inequality is higher now and if we're at uh, almost full employment, how come if its income inequality is higher now than it was in 2008 at the height of the recession, what would you do differently to bring that down? And the big angst that the Bernie Sanders crowd is, she's too tied to corporate America and especially too tied to Wall Street where she got she was the biggest um, recipient of Wall Street money than all the other candidates combined. So the question is, how would she end some of this? Then she focused in, we'll build a pathway to citizenship 
for millions of immigrants who are already contributing to our economy. How would she do this? How would she bring in, um, you know, bring in more immigrants into the economy? How would she, what was her immigration reform plan? Because we've got about 12 million immigrants here now or illegal immigrants here. How would she fix this to, to prevent millions of more coming in across the border? And our borders are not secure and everybody admits that. Now, she said, our economy is much stronger than when we took office. Well, that's fact. The economy was in a free fall. And the p- plans that were put in between the Bush administration that was carried on by the Obama administration helps s- at least stabilize it. Nearly 15 million new private sector jobs. This is more attributed to more people working part time. More people are working those lower end jobs than the high end jobs. And, Amer- uh, and 20 million more American, excuse me, 20 million more Americans with health insurance. Now, the health insurance, which hasn't been a focus, is the next um, health care rollout or the next uh, time to sign up will be in October. And now that you're seeing that the insurance companies really realize who the pool is, are having to raise substantial um cost of their premiums and deductibles to cover all those sick and um, the elderly. Because Obamacare was predicated the young and the healthy would sign up and that would pay for the the um, the sick and the, uh, the elderly. Well, now you're getting more sick people and those who are healthy are like, they're not signing up because the costs are too high. I even come into that. I can't afford, thank God I got the VA, but if I had to go out on my own, it would cost me $400 a month, and I'm never sick. So that's a big cost. That's before the deductibles and all the other premiums and effect kick in. So my question is, how would she do this? And then I know she said the auto industry had its best year ever, but considering where they were, but they still haven't paid, like General Motors still hasn't paid back its um, government bailout loan. So we'll have to see with that. Now, she does slam corporations and Wall Street, but she's been a biggest recipient of that, her PACs, her connections to Wall Street. So the question is, would she, what, was, what was her plan to, to um, reduce the influence of corporate America? And what would her plan to rein in Wall Street since the banks are bigger now than they were at the height of the recession? But she really says nothing about small business. Small business is the link pin of the American economy. And there's more small businesses leaving the economy than coming in. Now, this just didn't start under President Obama, but it accelerated under him. And the Brookings Institute, which is a liberal progressive think tank in Washington, in May of 2015, they stated that there are more small businesses leaving the economy than coming in. Now, she did make a comment stating Bernie Sanders and I will work together to make college tuition free for the middle class and debt free for all. We will also liberate millions of people who have already have student debt. The question is, how do you plan on doing this? How do you plan on making college free? And what did you mean you will liberate millions of people who already have student loan debt now? How would you do this? Is this more money that the federal government is going to have to put out? Because nothing is free. If someone gets something for free, someone's paying. So it'll be interesting to see how she wiggles that through when she becomes president. Now, as we go into, and really this whole Democratic convention, really very little was said about ISIS. How would you defeat ISIS? 
Now, she stated from Baghdad and Kabul to Nice and Paris and Brussels to San Bernardino, San Bernardino and Orlando were dealing with determined enemies that must be defeated. No wonder people are anxious and looking for reassurance, looking for steady leadership. You want a leader who understands we are stronger when we work with our allies around the world and care for our veterans here at home. Keeping our nation safe and honoring the people who do it will be my highest priority. So how would she defeat the Islamic State? How would she defeat ISIS? When neither the Republican candidate Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton, they talk about defeating ISIS, but you can't look at it in that vein. Defeating ISIS is one part of the complex problems in the Middle East. You've got Turkey, Russia, you've got the, the Gulf states, you've got the issues in Syria, and you definitely got Iran. Our Gulf allies and Sunni allies, they see the biggest threat from Iran, not ISIS. So how would you factor this stuff in when she was a strong supporter of the Iran nuclear deal, which is an anathem to our allies in the region, including Israel? Now, when she talks about to work with our allies around the world, our allies don't know where we're going. They see, and I don't understand what Donald Trump has been saying, but, I mean, in the last eight years, we've alienated all our allies. And when President Obama um, did an Atlantic article by Jeffrey Goldberg, he threw our allies under the bus and blamed Britain and the Europeans for the debacle and, and, and Libya. So what allies are going to be working with it? Who would be her closest confidant as a foreign leader, like other previous presidents have had? And how would she keep our nation safe? And then when it comes to veterans... I've been hearing politicians from both the right and the left, liberals and conservatives, Republicans and Democrats, talk about our, 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 um, our veterans. And this scandal with the VA started in 2014, and we still are dealing with it today. And just this week, the USA Today reported that the VA spent $20 million on art instead of hiring more doctors and care, facility, care personnel for our veterans. So what would she do differently that hasn't been done before? Now, she also stated, I am proud that we put a lid on Iran's nuclear program without firing a single shot. Now we have to enforce it and keep supporting Israel's security. Well, all we did is, is delay the inevitable. The agreement just lasts, I think, from 8 to 10 years. And then after that, Iran can do what it wants. But yet we gave them $150 billion. So what do you think they're going to do with that? It's, if it's going to go into their economy, the uh, Iran's Revolutionary Guard Corps is heavily involved in the Iranian economy, so they're going to benefit from that. And how do we enforce it when a lot of the facilities that we need to go to are off-limits and we can give them 24-day notice, we have to give them 24-day notice to visit some of these sites. So, and first there was supposed to be anytime, anywhere inspections. That was Deputy National Security by Ben Rodestead. Then they walked that back and said, we never said that, and that's what John Kerry mentioned. So, how are you going to enforce that? And how are you going to help support Israel's security when we have one of the most contentious relationships now? What would you do differently since you were the um, Secretary of State during the first term of the Obama administration? Now, she stated, I've laid out my strategy for defeating ISIS. We will strike their sanctuaries from the air and support local forces taking them out on the ground. We will surge our intelligence so that we detect and prevent attacks before they happen. We will disrupt their efforts online to reach and radicalize young people in our country. It won't be easy or quick, but make no mistake, we will prevail. 
How would she plan on doing this? She didn't mention anything about Iran, Turkey, Russia. She didn't say anything about Syria, considering she once said Bashir Assad is a reformer. Uh, Barack Obama said we, uh, Assad must go. That's five years ago. So what would she do different than President Obama? But she never mentioned Iran. Iran has got um, Hezbollah troops, which they support and sponsor in Syria. They got the Revolutionary Guard Corps in Syria. They've spent heavily there. So they're heavily involved throughout the, the region. So how is this going to be done? Now, if you defeat ISIS, what replaces ISIS? What about the marginalization of the Sunnis in Iraq? The, the Iraqi government is heavily controlled by the Shiites who are in direct linked and direct being supported by the Iranians. So how is this going to be done? And also... She, as Secretary of State, she had very strong policy failures in Libya, Syria. The Russian reset obviously was a, was a failure because that's even worse off now. The Iraqi withdrawal all precipitated the rise of the Islamic State. So how would she do this? She does mention she traveled to 112 countries, but what do we have to show for? What was her main? Um, what was her main agreement? What is something that was? Everything was that she did, her, signa, her, her hands are involved. She traveled a lot, but we don't have much to show for it, and we have everything worse off than it was when they took office in 2009. So all this is coming down to the trust issue. I mean, she first supported, she voted for the war in Iraq, then turned around and voted against the surge because, as Robert Gates said in his book, it would have hurt her politically. So... That was her experience as a senator and then her experience as a secretary of state. So what did she do? What did she accomplish? And it all coming down to the trust issue. We have the email scandal. Well, even the FBI stated everything that she said was wrong, or you could say it was a lie, but was wrong. She said she didn't send or receive classified memos. She did. She said she asked permission to have a private server and private email. No one gave her that permission. So these are the things that play into this trust issue. Then you have the Clinton Foundation. While she was Secretary of State, companies that did business before the Secretary of State gave millions of dollars to the Clinton Foundation. That includes many countries, like Algeria gave the Clinton Foundation $30 million for mosquito netting for the, for the people in Haiti. But why didn't they give that to the International Red Cross? Why did the Clinton Foundation... And then Bill's speaking fees dramatically went up while she was Secretary of State. So all these play in to why people don't trust her. But the single most important question that I have in all this, Clinton herself never answered this, nor did anybody else. Why should we vote for Hillary Clinton? It can't be I'm against Donald Trump. I just I don't want him. I got to vote for her. What would she do differently than Barack Obama? She never laid that out. What would she do to jumpstart the economy beyond infrastructure spending, green jobs? Because that hasn't materialized, and we've been doing that for the last eight years. So a lot of things need to be asked. Questions need to be asked because it's still vague, and we still don't know much about what she would do except what I've laid out before. So this is why I want to challenge these candidates because we're going to be stuck with one or the other. 
Trump or Clinton, and both of them are despised by the American people. So that's why I did this analysis on the Democratic Convention. People can agree or not. I would say just let me know what you think. Go to Stitcher and iTunes. Sign up. It's free. Let me know what you think of this um, podcast and other podcasts that you want to hear on any other topic. Kind of let me know. If you also get a chance, go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or any of the major book retailers. Get my book, The New Business Brigade. And basically the premise is why businesses should hire veterans and the untapped resource they represent. And I encourage you to get informed, learn the issues, challenge the candidates so we get somebody who can take care of the issues facing America. And again, get informed. Go to Ubaldi Reports on my website. Check it out. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and just check it out. Let me know what you think. I want to hear from you, and I'll cover some of the stories that, or some of the issues that you want to focus on. I'll do the research and do a podcast on Thank you for listening to Ubaldi Reports. Let your friends know and keep continuing listening to Ubaldi Reports.